What's up guys and welcome back to Speed Bumps with Austin Evans where we learn from the mistakes and the speed bumps of life. Mental speed bumps, friendships, relationships, all around. Mistakes are best learned secondhand and a whole lot cheaper too. So I woke up with a dry throat. I apologize about my voice, but I have a guest here today that I'm super excited to introduce. This guy, so if you don't know, I'm from St. Joseph, Missouri, just north of Kansas City. This guy is a St. Joe native. He attended a D2 school here called Missouri Western State University. He's the all-time all-time rushing yard record holder. He was a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy, which is an American college football award for the MVP in Division II schools. Um, he's in multiple Hall of Fames for his college career and then continued his career onto the NFL for a couple of years as a running back and um, had a stint with you know, the Chargers, the Packers, the Colts, the Redskins, all over the place. Uh, outside of football, he's a husband, he's a father of two, and he's now in the real estate world navigating through through life now. So without further ado, Mike Hill. Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. So as, as we were saying before here, you know, we went to high school together and um, I always obviously saw your success. That was apparent, but never got to dive into, like never got real close and never, then as the years passed, I'm out here cheering you on, but don't really know you super well and always wanted to ask you these questions I'm going to ask you today. So... Looking forward to it. So I'm excited to get talking here about your story, your journey through the rankings of football, which is like almost every kid dreams of, right? Um, so I have a lot of questions. I'm sure you got a lot of speed bumps along the way, right? Definitely. Cool. For sure. Cool. So for starters, let's go back to before this legendary Division II school career, right? Okay, so obviously we attend the same high school. Those four years ticked by. And I know you won a lot of high school awards. I know you were balling out in high school. But I guess in anything prior to that you want to share, but how good were you at football as a, as a young man, a young kid? And, like, did you where did you see your career going? Like, just tell me about the dream at that point. Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go way back. You know, uh, my mom got me started in football when I was uh, in third grade. Um, a coach actually came to my doorstep and asked if I could play. And it was Donnie Orban. Uh, you know, I, I went to school with his son, uh, Dio, and uh, had mutual friends on the football team. But I had, like, anger issues when I was younger. So my mom was like, heck, yeah, you're going in there. Uh, and so I got started. But I was never really a good player. Um, I loved it, though, because it was a huge stress reliever. Yeah. Um, and then getting up to, you know, middle school, I missed, like, I was, I was in it, but, like, I would miss – the football pictures or, you know, I just wasn't fully committed to football yet, mm -hmm. nor was I good. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time I was riding the bench anyways. Getting into high school, um, I was pretty much so bad that I almost quit my no sophomore way. year. And Are you serious? 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of people look at me and like, oh, you went to the league, you, you balled out and this and that. And I'm like, okay, maybe just a little bit. But mm -hmm. when I started, you know, this could have never been if – you know, just because I had confidence issues. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Tony Dudek. Everybody knows oh, yeah. Tony Dudek. And he's the guy that kind of saved me and, you know, kind of gave me a plan and uh, just some some things to, to guide myself, you know, along the way with. And ended up becoming from one of the slowest to one of the fastest and then pound for pound strongest in the school for the football team and, yeah. and some other sports. So... It was a long journey right there. So sophomore, you're not very good. 
did you just start turning it on in the off season and coach Dudek turned like said hey focus or what what made you kind of see the potential did you work your ass off did you just hit puberty and started growing muscles I mean what happened no so it's it was actually my freshman year uh, Jimmy Hunter was the the football coach the for the freshman and he's pretty hard on guys and I'm like looking back, I'm so glad that I had him as a coach, and he was like in my grill, yeah. um, taught me how to have tough skin. You know, we have we have to have tough skin in real life. Yeah. But um, I mean, I was fumbling a lot. You know, I I played cornerback. I was getting burnt, and you know, it'd be third down, and the team's relying on me. And this this was multiple occurrences. This is why I was so down on myself going into sophomore year. You know. Um, there were there, a lot of my buddies were going to have opportunities to play on varsity, and of course I love football. I want to play football, but it just wasn't clicking for me yet. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, maybe this isn't for me. You know, I ran like a four eight two, and I'm like, how am I ever going to get to my goals <laughs> running this slow? Yeah. Or being this bad? What were you supposed to be running, just for reference, for people who don't know? Well, I mean, if I'm thinking, I'm good. thinking college ball. You know college or NFL, 4-5 or 4-4, four, four, yeah. and anything below that is great. Um, and so, you know, I, I went to Coach Dudek, and, and it's just me and him in his office, and I'm like, um, you know, I'm thinking about quitting. And, uh, you know, he just starts talking about the things that you always hear him say in the hallway and um, just, you know, you got to – there's no if there's no deposit there's no return stuff you know small yeah. quotes like that and kind of cliche shit that yeah. actually is the truth yeah, yeah yeah and you overlook it and you know maybe your parents say it maybe they don't maybe some of your other mentors do but um, I actually started to try to follow it and another thing is you know we had Brendan Donaldson and Tom Magit big guys one was uh you know they're they're one's a linebacker uh, over six foot over two fifty both of them. And, and for uh, reference, you're a little dude. Yeah, I was probably, <laughs> I mean, you know, so going in, I was probably 180-some pounds. And, you know, one day, you know, I was just going through the motions with some of my buddies that were freshmen too, or sophomores at this point. And, you know, Brandon and BD is what I call them. And him and Tom were like, hey, come over here, Mike. And so I started lifting with them. And, dude, like, when that's whenever I realized, like, you got to challenge yourself. And I didn't know it at the time, but being around – the people like that that's better than you mm-hmm. that's something and then seeing you know how they how they work how how they got stronger and just how they how, how they go about everything with from weightlifting to on the field stuff uh mindset and also on the line on the lines of characters because both of them were, were good dudes you know mm-hmm. um hardcore it's the who you surround yourself with yeah right 100%. so if you were if you're hanging with the bums on the team you probably would never kicked in the gear. Yeah, and so I mean, it just kind of kicked off from there. I'm kind of going on about it, and I can get into more detail if you want. But so, so take me to junior. You, are you are you starting to get? Because man, when I'm looking you up, like high school, you had all kinds of awards and stuff. So junior year, are you getting good? Yeah, junior year, you know, it's starting to come alive, and mm-hmm. I'm starting to see, you know, my fruit produce, and and it's all just stuff like you know, for any football players that are young listening or. Um, you, maybe you have kids down the road. It's just the basic stuff, the fundamentals. And that's what Coach Dudek preached to me. He preaches it every day. And, you know, so trying to be the first one in, the last one out, whether that's in the classroom, the weight room, practice field, being first in, you know, your sprints, uh, competitions, whatever it is that you got going on. And applying, I mean, it's 
I know you know this in you know your business life and everything else, but um, it's just applying yourself. Everybody yeah. can go through the motions. Yeah, it's just that little extra effort that separates you know you from you know the person that's average and, and the want to with that. Yeah, man, I was told a, a quote. Look, it's right here on my computer. You got to work pretty damn hard to be in the top or the bottom ten percent. And I, I it stuck with me so hardcore, like. You know, the whole journey of whether it's success, whether it's business, success in business, whether it's investing, whether it's working out and, and, and sports and working your way up, like the whole, everything is, is very, it's not easy, but it's simple. You just have to follow it. Mm-hmm. It's like investing. You just, if you put some money away every month, shocker, you're going to have some money in 10 years. Yeah. If you do push-ups, you're going to be stronger. But if you don't do the shit, it's... Yeah, so it's simple, but it's not it's not easy, but it's simple, and you just have to apply yourself. Totally get you. And and you know a lot of people don't buy into that because, like we said, it. I mean, it sounds cliche, but yeah. But you can make a whole lot of progress over several months or years if you're applying yourself. Oh, 100 percent. So, senior year. Um, I mean, so obviously you start balling out junior year, senior year. So, when are you starting to get people talking to you about? Hey, man, you got potential to play college ball. Like when? And are and are you enjoying it at this point? Like where are you at mentally? Oh, I love it. You know, uh, into junior year, you know, I was excited, had a good season. Um, by this time, you're like a high school stud. Like, I'm, I, I get to high school with this guy, you guys, and by this time, it's like, oh, dude, Mike, kill him, Mike, kill this, Mike, kill that. Like, you're starting to become like, I'm great, it's high school. You're starting to become a household name, yeah. right? And so, you know, I was, I was starting to reach my goals, too, you know. Um, from, you know, Coach Dudek had these shirts on the wall with all the numbers the uh, for, for the weights, for weightlifting. From power clean to squat to bench, and you know I almost got by the end by the time I was a senior I almost got every single shirt, and then um, you know becoming a captain and be, being on varsity, mm-hmm. and starting you know so I'm like okay I got I get to start making new goals and you know people look up to me um, that are the people that are younger than me or freshmen, mm-hmm. and so you know it, like I said the wheel just started turning. And from there, my senior year, um, I just I started making more moves on people and breaking out for longer runs. And you know, um, I think it was actually before my senior season, we were doing seven on seven at Missouri Western. And you know, a lot of guys would get you know mail from D one colleges. D one is the goal. If you're yeah. if you're a kid growing up, you want to play at Nebraska or Texas, Alabama. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I never really got those letters, and so I was still had fire underneath me, you know, and I, I wanted those things. But we were at a seven-on-seven seven, um, competition at Missouri Western, and Coach P came over and he said, hey, if you don't go D1, you got to promise me that you're going to come here to, to Missouri Western. I said, Coach, you got my word. And, you know, with him saying that as a college coach, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, maybe I will have some D1 offers. And But those never came. I don't think I, – I didn't have one other – you know, coach come up to me um, or talk to me. There was a time where that was actually my senior year. Me and Ben Peaster went down to Mizzou, and we just played on the Renegade team. You know, uh, a couple of notable names were there that were on that same team. It's just like a team put together, and some of the GAs were the coaches for this team. So we were still playing against other high schoolers and stuff like that. But I ended up getting one of the top running backs in the camp. I'm like, okay, well, maybe they'll look into me. Well, Mizzou got to be, like, number one for, like, a week, you know, that year. And so 
that kind of pushed them away from me. You know, I, I know looking back now, like I had potential, but I wasn't ready to be playing for the number one school. In the country. You know, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, man, you're, you're, you're thinking about quitting in high school. Then you're starting to ball out, see some progress. Then you're getting no D1 offers. So you end up going to Missouri Western. Yeah. Are you excited or are you like – are you like down on yourself about it? At first, I was I was down because, like I said, I made that goal to, to go D one, mm-hmm. and it, and it was almost like I kind of felt embarrassed because I'm supposed to be a good football player and I didn't get. You know, a lot of people don't want to stay in St. Joe, mm-hmm. or they, especially when you're younger, you just think that you're going to do so much, so many great things, <laughs> and you're going to make all this money. And and, and the grass is always greener. Yeah. And oh my God! But I don't think that's just St. Joe. I think. Anybody listening, no matter where you live, you can identify with, like, no matter what, growing up, the majority of people think, oh, my God, i got to get out of this place. Yeah. You start to realize, like, it's not really about where you're at. Yeah. Just like your life isn't predicated by who's in the White House. Just like, like, these things don't necessarily affect you or they aren't your doomsday like you think they are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I totally agree with that. And, um... From there, you know, my mom saw me kind of down on myself, and she, you know, cheered me up. And you know, I got a, I got a scholarship. What do you, what are you upset about? Yeah, make you the know, most like, of your opportunity. And so from there, um, you know, I talked to Jay West. Jeremy Weston is one of my best friends, and Ben Peaster, and uh, me and Ben committed the same at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jay West, I knew he was on board. He was just a little later. Yeah, I think he had some interest from Missouri State. But he ended up coming there with us, and we were roommates. And, um, man, I was super happy, actually. Yeah, then you're going there with some homies. You got, I mean, you're familiar. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you're excited. Okay, so you end up playing for Missouri Western. So I got a little a little thing of notes here. So you guys are good. <laughs> In 2011 and 2012, those were your big breakout years from what I looked at online. Um, in 2011, you rushed for 13, over 1,300 yards, averaging almost five yards a carry, which is nuts. Um, one game against Southwest Baptist, you broke out for 246 yards. I'm sure that's vivid memories. Um, 2012, you absolutely go off. Over 2,000 rush yards, another 250-yard rushing game. You guys have playoff runs for two or three of the year. I'll let you share. But, okay, so we went through high school and before that, talking about the college career, talking about the highs, the lows, both on and off the field, just throughout the entire next four years. Okay. Yeah, so starting out at Missouri Western, um, typically you'll, they call it a redshirt year, and uh, it's kind of an extra year for you to, you know, learn learn the system, learn the offense or defense, whatever you're playing, uh, you know, get your feet underneath you, and you don't play. Nowadays they're starting to, you know, play more true freshmen, but we you have to sit out pretty much a year whenever I was playing. And uh, my freshman year, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I got a scholarship, I'm, I'm telling myself I'm the best running back here mm-hmm. and you know coming in I'm like these guys aren't going to be that good they're you know D2 but boy was I wrong I mean everybody there could play and um, I was down on myself at the beginning just because I wasn't getting reps with you know not just the ones I knew it was going to take time but I wasn't even getting offensive reps I was <laughs> playing all scout team and so that is just something you have to learn as a red shirt that you have to put in the time put in the work and prove yourself uh that was one of the harder things was going through that state again of this is who I am and and improving it to the coaches uh not only that but you have to understand how the coaches want things done 
and there's so many of them mm-hmm. in college compared to high school, and they're not there to be your friend, you know. So, and you're, t- so you're taking a giant step back, essentially. Yeah. Like you start out at the beginning of high school, you're down on yourself. You finally become the top dog. You're like marching on campus, like here we go, I'm the man. Mm-hmm. Back to the bench. Yeah, but at the same time, um, like I said, the coaches aren't there to be your friends, but we had great coaches there. And not only that, but um, we had one of the best classes or best group of guys that I've been with as far as a class goes for all levels mm-hmm. uh, that I played. And so that helped a lot, you know, on on the field stuff, off the field stuff. Um, we were getting together. And so that helped with me with my redshirt year. Mm-hmm. Um, going into my, my true freshman year and sophomore year, you know, I was getting some playing time and I still remember my first touchdown was on the one yard line and I jumped over the line and scored and I just I was going nuts and I was yeah. like the only one celebrating. Are you serious? Yeah. Do you, have, uh, do you have video of it? There's a picture of it, but um That's awesome. of me jumping over, but yeah, I loved I Hey, living the moment. Feeling. Hell yeah. But uh you know, it just started going up from there and I knew I had good teammates. Mm-hmm. But we we went from kind of five hundred and then we started working our way up as the years went on. Getting into, you know, junior year, um, we just kind of learned about each other in that uh, we trusted each other and we knew that we could do way better things than what what Missouri Western has accomplished, you know, any time before. Starting to get and, some chemistry. Yeah, and we're just focusing on ourselves. Um, and like I said, the great group of guys that I played with, I mean, we did great things that year. Travis um Partridge was was our quarterback that year, was his first year starting, and a lot of us were just kind of finding our way and, and figuring out ourselves. Um, like I said, we had a big class. I think it was probably 20, 20 some twenty some guys in my class, and so a lot of those guys were the ones playing. And we've already de- you know developed the freshman um, and sophomore years, and so we're, we're figuring ourselves out. And we still had a great run. Um, we, we were beating. I think it was the first round. Nope. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think back of which year. I'm not trying to get confused here, but we. I think we played Northwest, and yeah, that's right. We played Northwest, and then um, we beat them in the regular season, and then they knocked us out. And that year it was like whoever was up, you know, at halftime ended up losing the game, <laughs> and then um, so Northwest was the was the big dog there that we always uh, wanted to play and stuff, but. No, man, uh, just junior year, like I said, we were just getting our wits and figuring it, figuring ourselves out, getting into the senior year is when it just all clicked. I is mean, that we, is t- senior year 2012 when you go off yeah, for over 2,000 yards? Yeah, and before that, you know, all the summers before, because we have summer workouts, everybody comes is supposed to come back from home and, mm-hmm. you know, stay in, in the dorms and, and get, you know, some work in. And so that year we had the most that we had out of all the years, and we just held each other accountable. It didn't matter if you know you were a, you were a senior, if uh, you were a freshman, if you were a starter, if you were a captain. We had so many leaders um, on that team, and to hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that we were going to do damage. I mean, going into uh, you know our camp days, our two days, you know we were fighting each other, offense and defense, and that's when you know it was real. Yeah. Uh, we got in the locker rooms, and it's all good. You know, we got each other's back, um, and then we just you know, took one game at a time, one rep at a time. And we had some dogs, man. Um, I think I can't even name how many. We'll have to look it up. But I'm going to say 
six plus guys on that team or seven plus guys got NFL shots. No way. And so, you know, looking back to whenever I told myself I, I was kind of down for, you know, going to Missouri Western, and it's like, you have opportunity here. Yeah. And I'm going to dive back again because I remember one of the coaches in high school, I'm not going to say any names or nothing, but we were at a seven-on-seven deal. Or, no, there was a camp going on at Missouri Western. I said, do you think anybody could go to the league from here? And he said, no. You know, they're, they'd probably rather take somebody, you know, fourth string from Alabama or some D1 school before they'll pull somebody out of here. Prove them wrong. Six dudes took, yeah. took a shot at the NFL. Yeah, yeah. So, That's awesome. Well, I mean, we just had a great season, man, and uh, a lot of great guys, uh, coaches and players. And I really wouldn't have, you know, got that amount of yards if it wasn't for them. I mean, a lot of people will look back and say, oh, he had, you know, like you said, the 200-plus 200, games and 2,000 yards. But there were great running backs, you know, right behind me. Yeah. And, you know, some of them could do the same things that I could do. Some of them could do things better. And it's like you'll never know that, you know, because they won't be in that situation. It's in the past. But yeah. I credit that to, you know, just being around great players. Yeah. So – off the field, I just and I and I'll tie this in later. Why I keep saying this, but and you're a humble dude, so you're not gonna probably talk it up to what it was. But off the field again, you're a household name now, all over town. I mean, it's like Mike Hill, Mike Hill. Is this stuff? Because you're a super humble dude now. As we sit down together, is it going to your head at all? And and like, talk to me about that. Like, are you like, I mean, you know, you're going in. Hey, I'm gonna dominate, and that's an athlete. So that's what your mindset is. But are you? Are you? Did you ever get a little bit of a maybe arrogance to you? I mean, where were you with that? No. So, you know, growing up, I was always somebody that didn't have things, and so I was on the other side of, you know, seeing people that were like that, and I, I knew I'd never want to be like that. Another, another, uh, you know, mentor to me is definitely my mom. She always um, just carried herself the same way, no matter her mood. She still does today. Mm-hmm. And no matter who she sees, she greets everybody, you know, gives them a smile, um, does what she can, does her part, man, yeah. um, to make people feel good. And uh, as far as football goes, I was accomplishing these things. And, yeah, like, I want to be a dog on the field. I don't care what you look like or who you are if you line up next to me. Yeah. I'm going to try to beat you. But outside of that, it's like I, I love building relationships. I love talking to people. And I'd never put myself over somebody else. Yeah, you were grounded with just good morals and good parenting. Thanks to my mom. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, okay, so now in college, when is NFL becoming a discussion? So, um, you know, I ran a couple camps for Tony Dudek. He had me come back for the high school stuff. And, um, you know, one time after we were cleaning up after the camp, he said, you know, you had a good, you had a good uh, year this year or last year. And, uh, you know, if you keep that up, you're going to find yourself in a camp. And I'm like, whoa, like put, Holy that, shit. put that light in my in my mind. And it's like it turned on, it turned on for me, man. And it's it kind of made that goal because obviously it's something that everybody dreams about. But it's like, can I really get that? Right. And so having someone that I look up to just mention that even uh, turned that light on and got me kicking myself. So um, other than that, you know, I had some good a couple good seasons, junior year. Um, and there was a couple of scouts that came by for a couple of our guys, um, you know, seeing them, seeing all the NFL scouts there at Pro Day. 
And then we had like a junior pro day, so we got to talk to some scouts and I'm kind of thinking, okay, maybe I can, you know, get you in with these guys. Giddy. You're like, oh, and, yeah. And so, uh, you know, everybody's eyes are wide open. It's everybody's dream. Um, but then senior year, I remember it was after like a couple games and Coach Partridge hit me up. He said, hey, uh, I need you to come to the office. Um, Broncos are here and they want to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, I just got and, the goosebumps. Yeah. Dude, I mean, what was that? That Just that call was probably like – uh, I don't know, just earth shattering. Well, I was super excited from the get go, uh, but then I got super nervous because <laughs> um, really? he, he was actually at the stadium. And so we went into our um, facility and it was just me and him in there. And he's just asking standard questions about me and learning about me. Um, and I'm starting to learn about the process. And so now I really know it's a possibility. And so my senior year, I was fully devoted. Like, I. Even my soft, pretty much my sophomore to senior year, I was 100% devoted, and I had my goal and my sights on that. And so Each I was going to do, football. yeah, I was going to do everything in my power to, to, you know, obtain any goal that I had. And so from there, you know, I knew it was real. And then another one came in, another one came in, and, and a, a huge uh, reason for that is because David Bass. So you guys can look up David Bass's highlights. He was in the league for a while, got drafted by the Raiders. But he was one of the guys in my class, just a freak of nature. And uh, really one of the best people I've known um, ever. I mean, if I'd like to have my sons be just like this guy. That's the kind of person he is. But he's also great on the field, too. And so he brought in a couple scouts um, at practice. You know, then I started seeing him on the sidelines. And... You know, Coach P's like, hey, you know, they're going to be checking out DJ, but this is your chance, you know, to get your foot in the door. And, uh, you know, maybe you can get a shot at a camp. So once again, now Coach P's saying it, okay, I can get a shot at a camp maybe. And next thing you know, um, you know, we're getting to the end of the season, but I don't have an agent, and DJ has an agent. So, you know, I was just scrambling. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, Luckily, you have this mentor. Yeah, and um, – I know I skipped over a little bit of a time frame here, but um, I had this one agent that I hired, and I'm like, which he was a great dude, you know, but he was just starting out to be an agent, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, I'm hearing about all these people flying out to train and having meals and, you know, getting advances and stuff. I'm like, okay, so what can you help me out with? And he's like, well, I can come to your facility and work you out, and I'm like. That ain't what everybody mm -hmm. else is getting. Yeah, so I was like, I got, you know, Wes Bell, the strength and conditioning coach at Missouri Western, by far the best strength coach and and coach uh, that that would push me in the weight weight room and on the field, best by far, mm -hmm. from college to all the teams I played for. Now there's other guys in the league that were great too, but anyways, I was like, no, that's something's up with this. So kept going on and still had the same agent, no hits, no combine invite. You know, I had the most rushing yards out of anybody in all divisions and I was even one division one yeah d1 d2 d3 wow and so I was like okay you know maybe something's gonna pop and so DJ I was at a basketball game and DJ's agent hit me up and he's like uh it's, it's Harold Lewis and he's like uh, hey Mike uh, DJ told me about you you know there's a um, all-star game coming up and some guy got sick can you can you go in there and I, he's like I was like hell yeah and he's like, well, if, uh, excuse me, he's like, if I, you know, pick you up and sign you, 
you're gonna have to fire your agent and you're gonna have to prove me you know prove DJ right because I'm putting my neck out on the line for you getting you in this mm -hmm. and I'm like you know I will and so of course he didn't know me he's just taking DJ's word so I owe everything to David Bass but um, you know I got into the camp late and um, to this all-star game yeah this is the all-star game okay not camp sorry and um, you know, there's D1 guys, and I'm like, oh, geez, these guys are going to be really good. Um, you know, there's Michigan, there's Alabama, there's Tennessee, there's Florida, LSU, all these guys, D2 guys too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to practice, and I'm like, oh, man, these these guys are just the same as us. Mm -hmm. And so that imposter syndrome of, like, I'm not good enough to be here, and you arrived, and you were like, oh, shit, I got the invite for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, uh, you know, during this time, you know, after our practices, we go back to the hotel, and there's 32 scouts in the hotel lobby, and they would, you know, pick guys up on their way to their rooms and talk to them and sit them down, and other than the basic information that everybody had to do, I didn't have one of them pull me to the side, and so that kind of fueled me up some and, and pissed me off, to be honest, and then we started flipping coins to see, you know, and drawing sticks to see who's going to play what quarter. And, you know, I was the third quarter. And, uh, you know, everybody got, you know, got their time and um, got my first carry and, you know, got my feet underneath me. And then next thing you know, I busted like, I don't know, maybe like a 45-yard run. And then nice. I was on the one-yard line. And then they called my number again, and I spun in the end zone. And then long story short, I ended up with, you know, 11 carries, 140-some yards, and two touchdowns. In one quarter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh, and man. so, um, you know, after that is whenever I got. If you're listening real quick, sorry. If you're listening, you're not a football person, you're not in sports. That stat line he just said is like a tremendous game. Like, if he played all four quarters and rushed for 111 yards, two touchdowns on how many carries – that's like a tremendous game. You did that in the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. And uh, and so afterwards, that's whenever I started having the scouts come up to me. And, I mean, I think even on the TV, because it was on CBS Sports, I had a bunch of people watching, and um, one of the announcers, like, asked – I can't remember who he's talking to. He's like, outside of Michael Hill, who do you think played the best game? And so that made me feel that's good. It's awesome. Like, you know, I, I proved my point there. And so, yeah, I had, you know, Green Bay. They flew me out to a pre-draft visit. Uh, Indy flew me out um, in San Diego. And all those, you know, were great experiences. I got to sit down with the coaching staff. They put me up on the board, um, asked a bunch of questions, and I got to tour the facilities, fly out there and see what that's like. And I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to get a combine invite. Well, that never came. This is so cool hearing in detail, man, every single step because, like, me, who wasn't, like, an athlete and had a – I just – I mean, I love sports, but I don't have a – I don't have that kind of talent. But even then, I still have that dream, and I wonder, man, what would this be like? What would it be like? So I hear every step of it, and it's like a roller coaster of emotions for you. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, really stressful, especially whenever – you know, you know what the what the goal is that that you want to achieve, and mm -hmm. and so, but it was fun at the same time. So okay, so ultimately, you never get a combine invite, and I'm going to ask you about this. But you go undrafted, you get picked up early 2013 by the Chargers. Were you expecting to go undrafted? Were you watching the draft and with hopes? I mean, talk talk me through that. Yeah. So um, Green Bay actually told me that they were thinking about taking me. 
And, uh, you know, I, I watched, of course, I wasn't going to go day one or day two. It was going to be a late, you know, um, pickup. And so the third day I went to my agent's house, and David was there too. And, uh, you know, we were just ready to see where we were going to end up. And um, I had my hopes with Green Bay. Um, but day one and day two, they picked up two running backs, one being oh. Eddie Lacy, the best running back in the cla- draft class Who from Alabama. Who ended up being a big boy in his career. Yeah, yeah, I could talk about that a little bit, but Eddie's a good dude. Um, also, uh, Jonathan Franklin from UCLA. You know, the, these are Green Bay picked up two top five running backs in the first couple rounds. Oh, so your hopes are kind of shattered now. Yeah, and uh, – like, the agent's got to be honest with you. Is he like, Mike, this doesn't look good? Yeah. I and mean, you know it. He knows it. Yep. And so last last pick came around. You know, DJ got picked up from the Raiders, and I was sure hoping that I was going to get my name called too. You know, that's your dream. Mm-hmm. But I was still happy because I at least knew that I was going to get a shot. Mm-hmm. And so H, you know, after the draft, he's like, hey, H, or hey, Mike, come over here and let's talk. And, you know, I probably had 14 or 15 teams that were, would take me in as a rookie, but just because they offer you doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, get a shot at even training camp. Mm-hmm. Some of them may just be pulling you in for a rookie minicamp mm-hmm. and that, that two, three day extent because they need bodies. Um, there's no veterans there for a rookie minicamp. So, so they're kind of using you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the business side of it, you yeah. know? So having that in mind and then my, my agent saying, Hey, it's not about the signing bonus. That doesn't matter. And so I went to San Diego. Um, I wouldn't have made that choice now, but um, I went to San Diego. And uh, there's, you know, Ryan Matthews, who is a pro or pro bowler, um, Danny Woodhead, mm-hmm. and then, um, gosh dang it, I'm 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 spacing out. Anyway, Ronnie Brown. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's like a 10-year vet and was one of the you know top five rushers for a couple of years and so I'm with in a group did they call you San Diego calls you yeah so well yeah they I basically they offered me and mm-hmm. so H said hey um is this who you want to go with I'm like yep let's let's make it happen so then I got on the phone with some personnel and they said congratulations and told me you know what the next couple of days were gonna look like next couple of weeks were gonna look like and they flew me out to to San Diego wow okay so so you go there um and you said, how come you said I wouldn't have done that in hindsight? Because just because of the fact of you know Ryan Matthews, Danny Woodhead, you were getting used. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they actually, I was actually, so I'm gonna go back to this to the rookie minicamp. Okay. And so there's a lot of draft picks. You know, Manti Teo was in my class. Um, I just watched that documentary the other day. I still gotta watch it. Crazy. Good dude. dude. He's a good dude. Good dude, but crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Keenan Allen's in my class, and I was just. Going into rookie minicamp, it was it was fun. You know, I, I got to compete with those guys. And um, then we get into OTAs and minicamp. And once the, that wave of play the plays came, I mean, I was just lost. I remember one of the practices, I stepped out on the field, and I'm like, I don't know a damn play. Or I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do on this protection. What if I get in there? It's like you just have to roll with the punches, man. And Somebody um, telling you in the huddle what you do? or No. no. Well, the play tells you, but at the same time, you know, you could have 24 different protections. Yeah. And, and when they call an NFL play, just so people listening, like say an NFL play. Oh, shoot. I, 
It's, it's been a while, but, I mean, they're going to say, you know, the personnel, the for, the formation, shifts and motions. But when they say it, it sounds like hot sauce 24, dime 6, oh, yeah. 9, 72, 8, on 4. Like, yeah. isn't that kind of yeah. what it sounds like? And it's yeah. like, what? But, and, I mean, it goes further. So, I mean, you got, like I said, personnel, you got uh, the formation, you got shifts and motions, you got um, any other alignments, you got protection, you got – then it could be, like – you know, there's different route concepts. You know, say it's a pass play. Um, one side could be a certain concept, and it's called, you know, you know, bubble or wide banana, and then that'll tell the other person on the other side to do it. And there's there's another, you know, name for what a, the other side. Right. And But at, at the same time, you break the huddle, and then the quarterback starts making adjustments. You know, even if, if he makes a change, this, this is mainly Green Bay. Uh, you know, if Aaron or, you know, Matt Flynn or Scott Tolzien, you know, gave you a signal on your side, you have to change your route. And then also at the same time, the center is, you know, looking at the D-line, D seeing their alignments, and they could be changing the protection. Mm -hmm. And then the quarterback could change the protection. So there's a lot of moving parts. And like I said, when I stepped on the field, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing in this situation. I'm going to have to just roll with it. And... Um, I mean, a lot of emotions. Um, my coach, he was one to kind of bash me. Like I said, I was the only rookie in the room. Um, but I remember, I was like, you know what? Coach said, we're getting tomorrow off. Let me ask Let me ask coach if I can go in with him and watch some film and get better. I'm going to take this time. I'm going to get my, my iPad because I need help. Uh -huh. And I said, coach, hey, is it cool to come by your office and watch some film and go over some stuff? Mike? getting your playbook I'm going to hit the, the golf course oh, and so no I was kind of screwed but you know I just rolled the punches and sometimes I'd get one rep of practice you know offensive rep and that doesn't mean it's a run play um, sometimes I wouldn't even get a mesh rep meaning you go through you have to go through all these steps with the quarterback to make sure that your timing's right timing is everything in the league um and sometimes I wouldn't even get a mesh rep or a seven-on-seven -seven rep or a team rep. And, but come game time in preseason, they're like, Mike, you got third quarter. And it's like, you better know what you're doing and know all your footwork. And um, just, you know, during those preseason games, the only thing I could really do well was pass pro. And that's why they kept me so long and they told me. And uh, I remember getting a couple pancakes in against the Bears, and I had a couple drops that game, actually, and if it wasn't for the protection, I would have been cut. Mm -hmm. But long story short, you know, we're getting down in the cuts, and I'm like, oh, I have a shot of making it. This um, is all with the Packers, right? No, this is with San Diego. This is with San Diego, okay. And so last day comes, and, you know, we're working out, and, you know, they're just filing people out. You know, they're pulling people out of the locker room. You're working out in the weight room, and they're pulling people out of there. We're sprinting, and they're literally grabbing people and telling them to go get their stuff. Go home. Yep. So that's the NFL cuts, which timely right now. This will be released later, but cuts are going on right now, and final today's cuts. Today's the day, and then I think it's 3 o'clock today. So a lot of people are going through this. Oh, um, but, you know, I also was going through a lot of injury stuff. Mm -hmm. that, and I couldn't just say, hey, coach, I have, you know, my hamstring hurts or – um, I had I have Osgood slaughter, mm -hmm. and I had like a d calcium deposit going on my shin, which was excruciating pain, mm -hmm. um, running on it. And so I was in the training room, and I was icing up. And next thing you know, somebody came down and said, "Hey, Mike, you know we need your iPad and come up and see us." And I think I was like the last one of the last five guys um, 
get cut. To get cut. Oh, my gosh, and man. So, Just demoralizing. Yeah. I mean, you get your shit and go home? I mean, mm-hmm. what do you do? And so... I was I was in a low place just because you you invest so much time. Like I said, I was I went from swimming to finally starting to understand slightly the offense, which you know even if I was there today, I'd still be learning. It's mm-hmm. that's how complex it is. But um, you know, I got cut, and next thing you know, Green Bay hit me up, and uh, you're sitting at home in St. Joe. No, so I'm not even on the plane yet. So they hit me up. Right after I got cut, and um, or maybe it was the next day. I was on the plane home though, or getting ready to be on the plane, and they called me and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna fly you out tomorrow. Um, you'll be here at this time, and we're gonna sign you to our practice squad." And so Green Bay actually told me after the draft, they said, "You know what? We want to bring you here. Uh, we didn't draft you, but um, no matter what, we're prob- we'll probably keep you on our practice squad." And so I already knew that for sure. But after going to San Diego, I didn't know if that offer still stood. But obviously it did. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is because Alonzo Highsmith, he was like the head of scouting. The Green Bay um, scout for my area actually actually said that I wasn't good enough. And Alonzo, he reviewed the film. He actually came out, and I skipped this step when we're talking about pre-draft stuff. He took me out to Texas Roadhouse and was talking to me. Um, he is one – he was a dog when he played. He played at Miami. If you ever watched the U, he's the one that called the guy – he called some player um, before they played Oklahoma. you got to go back and watch the U documentary. But this dude's a dog. So this guy trusted me and uh, brought me in. He's like, hey, you know, because I said I had a couple drops. He's like, hey, we got to get those hands right. But everybody treated me with respect there. Um, and I'm in Green Bay now, just to backtrack. But first guy I met, uh, first player I met was Aaron Rodgers. I was in the cafeteria, and uh, the dude just came up to me. And honestly, obviously I knew who he was, but going to Green Bay at that point, I was like so worried about what was going to happen with my future in football that I didn't even realize it was him until he introduced himself. And he's not asking anything crazy, you know. Um, just asking where I'm from and t- welcoming me to the team. And then, you know, it was like that everywhere. That's why Green Bay is my favorite place is because I would walk in the equipment room and instead of other places, they're like, hey, how do you like your helmet to fit? Which face mask do you, which face mask do you want? Which, what kind of gloves do you like? Mm-hmm. How, how do you want your jersey to fit? Um, they're just professional. Or whenever I was doing paperwork, you know, call me by my name. I'm walking past people's offices, and they're like, hey, Mike Hill, come on in here. I want to introduce myself. We just want to welcome you to Green Bay. Just a crazy culture. Multiple people. Yeah. Wow. And it carried not only in the locker room, but like I said, in the personnel. Um, but that's how I ended up at Green Bay. Nice. Okay, so you go from – I mean, I know this is going to skip around fast because this is your whole entire career here in the NFL essentially, but – and I'm probably going to miss something here. You go from the Chargers to the Packers to the Bucks to the Packers, to the Colts, to the Redskins, back to the Colts, and maybe back to Green Bay. I mean, so, I mean, gosh, I'd love to see her for like three hours. But tell me, give me kind of the short version, if you will, of like as you're bouncing around, like did you ever – you're bouncing around a lot. Does it ever mess with you mentally? Are you losing hope? Like where are you at mentally? Yeah, so um, like I said – in high school and college, I always 
improved myself physically, um, whether it was in the weight room, whether it was on the field, whether, you know, I'm in the meeting room. And um, even Green Bay, I took pride. And I'd say I was that first season, I was the second smartest running back in the room outside of John Kuhn, who was our third string quarterback. And, uh, you know, Eddie would ask me questions at time, at times. but The starter. Um, yeah. And, and then some others would ask questions. But it wasn't like I had it all figured out. But, um, you know, once I got cut from Green Bay, I went to Tampa. And then, like I said, or like you said, I went to a couple teams. And it did start wearing on me after a couple of times. All in all, I, I moved ten times in three years. And wow. Moved as in, like, did you get leases and settle in? Yeah, so I had multiple leases at one point. Um, like you're paying three, four, five leases. Yep, yep. Are you making real money when you're on practice squad? P squad, so you're. I was making 6000 a week at that point before taxes. And then when you're forking it out and all these taxes and four different leases around the country, yeah. it's not and, like you're raking. Yeah, and uh, I'll go back a little bit, but I was actually on active roster with the, with the Packers, and I was supposed to start, but we had, uh, you know, Eddie Lacy got hurt, James Starks got hurt, Jonathan got hurt, and I was going to start against the Lions, except we had a bye week. So oh. I got bumped up, you know, first person to, to greet me and congratulate me, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and everybody, you know, on the practice field. But anyway, you know, like I said, one, after my couple games, they bumped me down, I went to Tampa. And now at this point, you know, Kaylee's back in Green Bay, my wife. And she's at our, you know, apartment that we're leasing, and all of our belongings are there. And so we have to figure out how to find a new place in a week. That's the timeline they give me in the hotel. Which um, is insane. Yeah. And then at the same time, I'm at this new place, and it's like different verbiage. It was the same thing when I went to Green Bay. It's like you go in speaking one language, and they're speaking a whole another one and you have no clue what you're doing. So you have to figure it out. No one's holding your hand to teach you the playbook. It's all on you. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, um, I'm on active roster, though. So I finished the whole season uh, my rookie year playing on active special teams, getting a couple carries with the, with the Buccaneers. Um, had a great running backs coach and actually taught me things. Um, and then we went into the offseason. And you're on the active roster? Yeah. Okay. And then uh, we went into the off season, and everything's looking good. It's actually my first day back um, in St. Joe, so I wanted to see a couple friends. It was a Wednesday night. We went bowling, and it was uh, you know a social event. There wasn't a lot of people there, but long story short, um, I ended up getting arrested that night. And this is a speed bump. Yeah, a huge speed bump. Yeah. And that caused a lot of problems in a lot of areas. What happened? What'd you uh, get arrested for? So. We went in and we were playing, we were just doing some bowling and the, we, we actually knew these guys that this altercation happened with. They were baseball players at Missouri Western. So um, one of them, you know, dropped the M-bomb and one of my other buddies didn't like that too much. So, you know, me and Jay West, we were like, oh, it's cool, man, don't worry about it. So a cop actually came over and pushed us out of the, you know, the bowling area and said, oh, you guys just go play pool, you, you know, they stay up here. Well. Night's over, and then we see those guys again, and I'm not going to say names, but one of my friends rushed him and pushed him outside. And, you know, it wasn't like they were throwing fists. Not a, not a fist was thrown. And, you know, I was uh, kind of the one of the people to, to stir it up and say, hey, you know, let's just 
go our separate ways. Just take him. This isn't going to get any better. We'll go our separate way. We talked to another cop down there. He said, okay, cool. Just go home. We want you out of here. And so next thing I know, my buddy, um, who didn't throw a punch, was getting tackled um, in the middle of the parking lot. And so he's known for being in trouble. The cops know him by name. And uh, so we ran over there, and it's like, hey, you know, what are you doing? We just talked to somebody. We didn't do anything. And I saw a cop right in front of me, and he, like, shined his flashlight up at me. And I couldn't see. I thought he was pointing a gun at me, so I put my hands up. And I'm like, hey, hey, you know, I'm just trying to tell you what's going on. There's actually a couple of my buddies up in front of me um, that were closer to the scene than me. And then so he, like, takes a jab at my waist area to, like, push me back or grab me or something. Mm -hmm. And my natural reaction was to swipe his arm. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally... You're trying to, like, get off me. But, yeah, it's it's almost a reaction because that's what we do in football anyways. It's like you're playing special teams. They're trying to get your hand on you. We do combat stuff like that just to train our hands. And I didn't grab him. I didn't do anything aggressive. Next thing you know, he's trying to take me down to the ground. And so I widened my feet. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to, you know, explain to this guy, like, what are you doing? Then I get tackled in the back by, you know, one or two other cops. Now you're resisting arrest. And then I'm resisting arrest, and at that point to them, and uh, to them, I, right? I'm not. I couldn't even, I couldn't even explain myself, and it was like I was so frustrated and upset of why I was being arrested, and I was looking at them, and they were kind of just mocking me, and so that really. They pissed know who you are, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, and so that really pissed me off, and I just go in a rage, like. Uh, you, I don't know if some some of you guys cry whenever you're so upset, but that's where I was. I was just so frustrated, and I could have destroyed something crazy. I saw that in the crazy. photo. I could tell you had tears in your eyes. That's why I was like, we got to talk about this. The entire night, a man, like, I mean, so anyway, they put me in the, the, the cop car with my buddy who was the one that got tackled. Next thing you know, they're letting him go. And then they take me down. They said, no, you're going downtown. I'm like, what am I being arrested for? They said, probably just a peace disturbance or disorderly conduct. And so, you know, I just have to kind of accept with accept what I, what's happening to me. And so I got a lot of um, things going through my mind at this point. What's going to happen with football? You know, my image of St. Joe. People are going to think that I'm out here doing crazy stuff when I wasn't. Um, and then I get into the booking area, and I don't know if they're having a training or something, but, you know, I was just standing and once again, I was getting yelled at, sit down now. And I was like, I just want to, I'm just going to stand. I probably should have sat anyway, but they made a point to walk up to me and put a taser on me. They didn't tase me, but I sat down. I just felt so violated, like I had no rights almost. Not to that extent, like obviously they're doing their job. Yeah. Um, but that's just how I felt at the point. And so anyway, I go back. They, the guy who's taking my picture says, hey, don't worry about this. It's not going to go you know it's not going to go anywhere and so I wasn't even ready for the picture but I'm also f so frustrated and that's the one they put on the yeah. sports page but you know long story short um my my stepdad comes in and he used to be a you know he's a deputy marshal at the courthouse he was a detective for some time he was a cop for a long time he just barged in and asked what happened I told him the cop that arrested me came in and said you know, don't worry about tonight. I see why you did what you did. It's all going to blow over, except... You got a call from Bucks. Yeah. Did you? I, I, next morning, <clears throat> and I was drinking, so I'm hungover the next morning, and 
next thing I know, I get a call from, you know, Buccaneers, and it's Lovey Smith, the new head coach, his first day on the job. And so I'm sitting there trying to figure out how I'm going to explain my character and who I am. And I just stopped. I, I was letting him get after, get after me. And he's like, you know, I got this. And then I also got a draft pick who was arrested for assault. And if it says anything, the draft pick stayed on the team. I got cut for a, wow. disorder, a peace disturbance is what it amounted to. But Did he cut you right there on that phone call? Right then. But you know what the worst thing was is that news press, St. Joe News Press, was the first – people to call the bucks they didn't give me an opportunity to call my my place of employment employment. yeah and they just were trying to break a story yeah and so from there which i have a lot of respect for a lot of people down there i don't know who did what but it's still not the right thing to do in my eyes right and not only that but in the paper you know they were saying like my kill nfl player arrested in tuck's bar um yeah it was painted very negative yeah officers sustained injuries i was never in tuck's bar I was never in a fight. I broke up a fight, and no officers got a you know had any injury. One said the whole thing sucked, but but in hindsight, like I know you, I know your character enough to know like you probably just wish you were never even out there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, but it could have went real south. One of them said I punched him in the face, and I would have had a felony. And so luckily, I have family in there. Uh, to catch them, and that obviously got taken off because, I mean, it's something I didn't do anyways. But So so Bucks call you, Lovey Smith cuts you. Back to the Packers? Yeah, so <clears throat> Green Bay called me back and, of course, a couple other teams, and everybody wants to know what's happen- happening. So from here on, I have to explain myself. Which my, puts you, like, behind the eight ball even more. Yeah, and not only that, but my agent has to do some work, you know. And so Green Bay, they know my character. They call me back and uh, – you know, I had a great preseason, the best preseason I had. You know, I didn't get to do much at running back, excuse me, because I had, you know, 11 carries, I had five carries, I had three carries, I had like six carries. And so there's not much work that you can do with that as a running back, but I would still get the highest grades, um, you know, after the game's over. They'll grade you on special teams, grade you on your offensive, perf- offensive per- performance. Production and, uh, aside yeah. from running the ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you'll get a point system, and, you know, I was getting great ratings. And next thing you know, I'm thinking I have a huge shot, a great chance of making the team, the 53, or excuse me, 53-man roster, except they cut me and then signed me to practice squad. My running backs coach knew. He said, hey, just be patient. Mike McCarthy told me, hey, I know you're ready to play. You can go out there right now. Um, just stay patient. And then next thing you know, Ted Thompson calls me in his office. This is halfway through the season. And he said, we're going we're gonna to send you home, but keep your stuff in your locker. They even had me in the 53-man locker area. I wasn't even in the practice squad area. And so – So it's all just a tease for you, right? Yeah. And they're like, go back, see your family, and we'll, we'll touch base next week. So next week came around. I gave them a call, and they said, we're going to go a different route. So they ended up cutting me. I had to go get my stuff. Then I was on to Indy. Indy, I was there for six days. And then they, they cut me. Didn't even have a padded practice. And so I'm like, okay, here we go again. On to the next. Did you lease a place in Indy? No, I was just still in the hotel. Thank God. <laughs> um, but then I went to, you know, Redskins gave me a call. I worked out for them. They signed me. And we're about. Active roster or practice? Practice squad. Okay. And then so we're about <clears throat> two weeks in. And I know when you get a, a call from, you know, whatever area code, it was at like six in the morning. I was like, oh. This is they're they're gonna call me and cut me. I already know it. 
So they called me. I was like, I'm done with this crap. I'm like, I can't even prove myself. There's nothing I can do to showcase my ability. And I was in the, I already handed them my um, iPad and handed them all my playbooks and stuff. And then a coach, defensive coach walks past. He's like, what are you doing in here? I'm like, oh, they're releasing me, coach. And he said, what? Hold on. So he went and talked to somebody, came back and said, hey, would you play defense? If, if that was, you know. What? On, like scout this defense. Is pro- professional level. You're a running back, and they're like, hey, you want to play scout defense? Yep, yep. What? I mean, you, you have to. Yeah. Whenever I was on scout for any team, I'd be out there guarding Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb just because you need bodies and you need to, you know, have a look. Right. And so, but at this point, he pretty much saved me, and they signed me back. So I finished the whole season with the Redskins, and uh, I had an opportunity to sign for the next year. My agent was like, no, don't. Green Bay's in the playoffs. Indianapolis is in the playoffs. I'm like, Indy's not going to call me. Maybe Green Bay. Well, Indy called me. And after cutting me after six days, they still had the same roster and guys that are on practice squad, running backs, you know, Jeff Dems from Florida, uh, uh, you know, a lot of notable names. And they signed me to active roster to play, you know, I was playing the divisional game against Peyton Manning on special teams. I was playing in that. Then I got to play in the AFC championship, you know, against Tom Brady in New England. And so, man, it was a whirlwind. we can dive back into anything if you want to know anything in the detail. But I also went from Indy, you know, they cut me. And I was like, hey, why am I being cut? You know, I just want to know. And they're like, oh, it's a numbers game. Then I went back to the Redskins and then had a hamstring injury. And they cut me. And I signed off any rights to, you know, get any money or anything like that. I just excused my injury. And, the, you know, I was sitting at home. And Chiefs training camp was out here. And obviously, I, I love the Chiefs there at that point. They gave us everything in all our facilities at Missouri Western. Um, and Coach P said, hey, Chiefs want to bring you in and work you out. And my agent was like, you know, I went to the facility, talked to the running backs coach, um, talked to the coaches there. And I was getting ready to work out. My, my agent was like, Mike, don't do that. Your, your hamstring's not healed. You know, you just got released from the team for that. Let's just heal this up. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to run or do anything yet. And so they were going to just put me on hold. Well, that week, maybe a couple of days later, the Dallas Cowboys called me and said, hey, we know about your injury. We just want to come, want you to come work out. And, you know, we'll have our people check you out. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going, running, still running a 4-5 with a bum hamstring and did good in position work drills. And they signed me and uh, was on pace to have a good preseason there too. You know, my first carry. Uh, just for just for semantics here, is Kaylee still living in Green Bay? <laughs> and where do you have leases at this oh, point? Oh, man, I, I had one in Green Bay. I had one in, in Tampa. Um, and she's living up there in Green Bay? Well, no, she was in Tampa, and then she moved back, and then she started to come with me in the hotel in Indy. She moved everywhere with me. And now you have a place in Dallas, or you're staying down in yeah, Dallas? I'm, yeah, yeah. So she moved everywhere with me and had to move all her belongings, so she was just as stressed as me. And she had to worry about her own self and her career, too, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for her to establish herself. But um, So you're in Dallas, preseason's going good. And, uh, you know, had a good run and everything, but... This was our first game, and we're playing the 49ers. And it was like, I don't know, maybe second quarter, I was back and 
playing kickoff return, and I was the up back, not the the main returner. So I make sure that he, I ensure the catch, and then I tell the wedge to go, and then I go find my guy, most dangerous man. And this linebacker came downfield, and it wasn't like a big hit, but my head was right on the side of his shoulder pad, and it just hit it square and on the, like my temple. And so I was, my bell was kind of rung. I didn't get knocked down or anything, but I just knew I had a slight con mild concussion. And then also the thing I actually had was vertigo. I don't know if anybody's heard that. You got yeah. small crystals in your ear. But I ended up finishing the game and, you know, I missed one pass protection, but it was like I was taking it play by play uh, because if I go out, I won't make you a team. You done. And, and then I won't, you know, get to live out my dream. Mm -hmm. And I've already put in all this work. I'm not letting it go because of one small hit like that. Right. And so they ended up, you know, testing me, and I did have a concussion. And then the, the, the ear specialist said it was more so vertigo. And so Dallas actually said, hey, you know, um, we're going to let you go. And they tried to get me to sign a, a waiver saying, you know, my I didn't have any injuries. Well, that was a roadblock because I can't go play for another team at that point. I got vertigo. Every every time I move my head, it, um, the room's spinning. Oh and it was, it was a tough spot for the, the main trainer. His head was right. You know, he's a good guy. But he had to give me that paperwork to say I'm not injured. And I said, man, I can't sign this. So my agent talked to them, and I ended up was actually on – I'm not sure what, if it was technically IR, but that kind of situation mm – -hmm. um, and then I got to a point where it was like, okay, I'm ready to go back, but there's just a couple months left of the season, and we ended up staying on the IR deal. Um, Injured reserve, if you know. Yeah. And so, it, next year came around. I'm like, okay, I'm in my prime. Like I can, I'm the strongest, as strong as strongest as I've ever been. I'm fast. My hamstrings healed. You got some network now. And yeah, everybody, you know, is over this arrest thing. I'm good to go. I had probably 10 offers, you know, whenever that ch the Chiefs issue came around and then I went before I went to the Cowboys. So I'm like, I'm going to have, you know, looks. OTAs came around, no calls. Okay, Mike, you're going to have it in training camp. Training camp came around, no calls. Then we got about halfway through the season and I had already spent money in investing, you know, on my body. I was training in Chicago with David Bass. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a full workout, a guy that does, makes our workouts, works us out personally, one-on-one, -on -one. and then our meals, and then travel and stuff like You're that. You're staying in shape. Yeah, and then, but nothing happened. And then from there is whenever I knew that I was done. Uh, after a certain amount of time, they automatically send you a, a document saying that you retired. And oh, so, really? Yeah. They sent it to you? Yeah, and so... I was done. Nobody picked me up. I had a couple of Canadian offers, but, man, I was in a pit then. Yeah, so real quick, just the ending. So I always heard this rumor, and I'd never known if it was true or not. I always heard this rumor, and it's about NFL being a business. <clears throat> and it was about how once you're vested, by the time you have three quote-unquote seasons, which is X number of games considered on an active roster, then you're quote-unquote vested, and you get an NFL pension. So I've never got to ask you this. So this first time, but I've always wondered, is that actually true? If you would have been on the roster for one more game active, then somebody would have owed you pension the rest of your life? And so, it was a business decision? Is that so true? So I think it was either three years or four years. So I'll, we're going to have to double look on, double check on that. Um, if it was three years, then yeah. So whenever I played in that, technically I had three credited seasons. If you look at 
the sec my second year when I was with the Indianapolis Colts in the in the uh, playoffs, we played one game against the Broncos and beat them, and we played. Uh, you know, New England in Deflategate, the AFC Championship. If we would have won that game, I know for sure that I would have had, basically, long story short, I gave dues, annual dues to the NFLPA. And I paid, you know, it was like ten to $17,000 total or something. Um, and they take it out of your paycheck, you know, mm -hmm. weekly. And the only reason I was doing that, because that's voluntary, because if something happened, that you know, they could appeal and work for you, and you're just giving back to, you know, when the players are in a bad situation like a lockout or something like that, uh, you know, any benefits they provide. And so I was under the impression they're going to have my back. Well, it was seriously down to hours, because if we would have had, like, if it was, like, 48 hours from there, I know for sure – now that I would have had insurance, well, huh. either pension, which it could have been four years, so I could have been one year away, or this is for sure, I would have had five years of immediate family health insurance. And so that's huge. Um, Kaylee was pregnant with my son, and she was at the uh, hospital, and I'm like, okay. because so I talked to the NFLPA rep, and he's like, yeah, you know, you're paying your dues. You're going to have insurance after five years. I thought it was already set in stone. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they canceled us, and so she's in the hospital, and they're saying that she doesn't have insurance, and so here we go. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just seriously a matter of hours before we got that. And so do you think not getting picked back up after all that was sort of a business decision? Of A hundred percent, because, I mean, my rookie contract was up at that point. From there on, it's guaranteed money. They have to pay you, okay. and, you know, you're going to get paid way above league minimum. But for an undrafted free agent guy like myself who mainly played special teams, you know, they can get a, a undrafted free agent guy, you know, that's a rookie and pay him league minimum, no guaranteed money. And do the same. Do the same thing that I'm doing. Yeah, crazy. Just a big business. Yeah, I could never figure it out. That's wild. So, man, this is crazy to hear about the journey. It's like literally what you know. Somebody who dreams about this wants to know what it's like. So, okay, let's talk about. I mean, I think this would be a massive speed bump. You get this letter, you're retired. You said you're in a pit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess from there. First of all, why never Arena Football or Canadian Football League? And and then where are you at mentally? Man. It's the toughest time of your life? Yeah, yeah, by far. Um, so far, anyways. Um, but my ultimate goal was to be a starter in the league and, uh, you know, play 10 years. You know, everybody wants to do right. that. And so I looked at the Canadian League. I think there were some rules like Americans have to do. It's kind of like a red shirt year. You don't get paid a certain amount. And I'm like, I don't want to keep moving Kaylee around. I don't want to keep chasing this dream and and be done. You know, like if my head's really messed up, okay, I need to think about that, which is I haven't had any issues, by the way. Um, but I was just thinking of, you know, how it's going to play out if I went to Canadian. And I just ultimately want to play in the NFL and so I didn't take any other contracts. Um, as far as speed bumps go, I mean, <laughs> mentally, I was just lost. I mean, I spent, I played football for 19 years, and I absolutely, especially whenever I got to, you know, that point in high school where I hit that, I got over that hump, I'm like, and I started gaining traction. Like, I devoted everything to football and every ounce of energy, and even when I was in the league. And then so it's like, man, now it's just gone. 
what am I, what's my next step? And the world just keeps going. And it's yeah. like. And your entire identity is tied to football. Yeah. So without football, you feel like. No matter where I go, people are saying, well, are you going to sign with this person? Or are you going to, how come you quit? You know, it's like. You're saying it's over. Yeah. And so that was depressing. I didn't even want to leave the house. You know, me and Kaylee struggled, my wife, um, just because of my issues. And I was lost, man. Like, I lost like 20 pounds in a month. And didn't I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so Cade, my son, she was pregnant with Cade, and he's, you know, he gave me a new meaning to life. Your purpose, yeah. Ooh, man. This is good. This is good. Shoot, I like about it. to tear up, man. You're good. You're good. No, man, uh, he was the best thing that ever happened to me and uh, just learned a lot about him and kind of got to look back at myself mm-hmm. and know that I was doing the wrong things with you know, communicating with my wife and expressing my feelings and and knowing that it's okay to fail, yeah. you know, that you, you always got to have plan B, and that was my main goal, and I just put everything into it. So, like I said, I was in a pit, but Kate helped me get through all that. Kaylee helped me get through all that. Um, you got to lean on some other And, man, we went from – me and Kaylee went through a, through a rough patch and then went to be, you know, we're strong as can be right now. And That's so awesome. without that – we wouldn't be where we're at right now. And that's I have a buddy that refers to that as the glue. He's like, man, the, the bad shit you go through in life, the bad relationship times you go through, that's all the glue later that makes you tighter mm-hmm. with your spouse, that makes you able to overcome more in the future. You're like armed with the fact that you developed the um, skill, wherewithal, whatever, to overcome that adversity, and now you can handle more down the road. Oh, yeah. So that transition to regular life, I say regular in air quotes, in regular life, um, obviously now you're doing real estate. You have a, a business where you're doing some house renovation type stuff. But how, I mean, you kind of spoke to how far depressed down you were. Um, how long did it take you to turn things around? Man, it had to have been a good year. And I wasted, I wish that I could go back and tell myself, you know, what to do. It's not like I blew money. Anytime I had the opportunity to put it in 401k, mm-hmm. I maxed it out. Um, and I still did well with my money, um, but I would have invested in a couple more things. Um, and I mean, that last, that whole year, I s- sat around like trying to work on football. I should have been doing internships or, you know, reaching out and branching off to see what it is I really want to do. And I, w- I wanted to be a football coach. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Redskins hit me up and said, "Hey, you can come, you know, do some stuff for us." I know Green Bay would have that opportunity, but when I was in the league, I no- I noticed how just how detached some of these coaches are from their families. Like they have to spend so much time. Like coaches don't get paid. It's kind of like a te- obviously teachers are you know they need paid a lot more. But as far as a coach, most of them are teachers. Mm-hmm. If it's high school and then college, um, you know it's a full time job. And in the league, it's really a job. And it's like man. My number one goal is to be around my kids. I'm just a family guy. And so I knew I couldn't do that being, I know some guys can, but you just spend so much time away from your family, I knew that wasn't gonna be it. And so that transition was rough. And then I had started talking to Kaylee and she was working at Reese Nichols while I played anytime she was back here. And her aunt Glenda Hyde is the broker at Reese Nichols here in town. So she you know, sat me down and told me what it was about and uh, um, but even before that, I jumped, I jumped the gun there, almost got into franchising, and um, 
you know, my buddy Ross Thiessen, I know you know him, yeah. Isaac Collins. I worked, went down with Ross and, you know, worked under him for a little while, worked with um, Isaac Collins for a year up at Yogurtini and on the plaza. Good dudes, all good dudes. And then yeah. I went back to school and I was going to, you know, take that class to, to win a store from, you know, the Steve Craig School of Business. And then we, that was still around the same time that we had Kate and we didn't want to move anymore. So I think the store was in California and I needed to turn, you know, make that, turn that page and go to the next chapter. And so I got into real estate and love everything about it. You know, every day is different. I get to work with people. That's one thing I cherished in all my time playing football was the relationships with people I met. Every day is different. Every deal is different. I learn something every time. So it's not like, it's not like you can go through the motion. I mean, you can, but it keeps you. Yeah, keeps it, you sharp, keeps yeah. you challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I, I know people who bounce around at the pro level and coaching and strength coach and this, that, and they're all over the place. They don't mm-hmm. compare shit, and they're doing it because it's like, oh, it's their dream, but it's like, yeah, they don't have any relationship with their family. Yeah. And as you like you said, Cade and Kaylee got you and re- re- got you through that patch. Yeah. Man, it's it's kind of been my whole mindset this whole year. I've, I've kind of shifted my mindset to like this introspective of – thinking of like, man, I want to be happy and I want to have a relationship with my kids and my family. I don't want to be gone. The money, the whatever else else isn't worth it. So yeah, totally identify with you there. We, uh, we just don't know, you know, like, like we talked about way before, it's like, you think the grass is greener. You think you're going to do A, B, C, D. Yep. And then until life hits, it's like, and then you see people pass away and it's like, or you see some of your friends that are just absent or they're so you know dove into their work that they don't give people the time of day and it's like I want to live right here now and yes. one day I told myself I was like Kay's gonna stop reaching for you so anytime he reached for me I picked him picked his butt up and now he doesn't reach for me anymore but you know anytime he asked me sometimes I'm like you know dad will you come play with me come come play cards with me it's like dude I, I'm doing this and then you're like you gotta check yourself and it's like yes this isn't this isn't gonna last forever so I'm trying to become better at that and live in the moment and now I get to go through it again with Royce my, my other son who's five months old and uh it's awesome man. yeah similar to that my daughter Kennedy whenever she uh she'll say to me will you carry me to bed I always say the answer is always yes yeah you know, there's nights I'm not in the mood to carry her all the way up the damn stairs. And mm-hmm. I said, the answer is always yes, because, man, you're right. It it flies by. Yeah. It's crazy. So, well, I guess I want to ask you, what advice do you have for I, – I really want to gear it towards, because I think you can always extract lessons no matter what it is. So even if you're not the guy trying to get to the league or whatever. But what advice do you have for the young athletic guys, gals out there wanting to make it pro um, going through this? emotions of I mean dude you were an underdog that's that's real quick I mean before I get my question you were an underdog you went undrafted you you went d2 you went no d1 offers you went undrafted you're trying to work your ass off to get on the team you're you're a smaller dude I mean you're 510 180 you're not it's not like you're some big athletic beast like hey I'm six five like Eddie Lacy that dude's just a work like he's a horse he got a little out of shape but that dude's a horse yeah but so so you had the underdog mentality. So what advice do you have for those people out there that are underdogs and there's a long shot to get to the league, but they want to? Or Yeah, it's. I'd say, you know, it's better to be the underdog because you already know the challenge. 
you don't have the respect, nor do you. I mean, some people may want it, but I'm going to tell you not to want it. Just use it as fuel. Um, and then really just go back to day-to-day stuff, you know, whether it's sports or whatever. Do the fundamentals every single day. And even though it's boring, get up and do it. It's, it's something I got to do with my life right now. It's a hump yeah. that I have to overcome to say, Mike, you got to get up and figure this stuff out, you know, and it's like 100%. going back to football or whatever sport, you know, you know, do whatever, do whatever those fundamentals are every single day, but apply yourself just to make sure you're present in that moment. Not that you're just, oh, I'm going to, you know, go over these bags, you know, half-ass or 50% and coach isn't going to care. I know yeah. he's not going to care. No, just go through it and challenge yourself and be better. And uh, no, no, no matter if it's on the field and, and, you know, marketing for your business or whatever it is, yeah. always challenge yourself. Always look for other ways to um, grow yourself. Improve, yeah. Man, spot on. I, that's why I say it can always be extracted for every area of life because as you're saying it, I'm sitting there thinking my life day to day, investing, business, it's mastering the mundane. It's doing the shit that needs to be done that you really don't want to do or just following through. So, well, last question. Either your son's going to play football? I'm going to leave that up to them. You know, yeah. I'm raising him uh, He, I'm raising him a Packers fan, Cade. Yeah. And Royce is obviously too young right now. But um, he's a, he was actually super excited. Last Thursday was his first NFL game, Chiefs-Packers game. And uh, he knows not to do the tomahawk chop. But no. <laughs> Come on. No, but uh, – I don't care if he plays or not. I'm yeah. probably going to hold off on letting him play tackle. I'm going to teach him everything myself if he says he wants to play, and I'm going to make it make him understand that if he commits to doing it, um, you know, there's some things involved that you have to be aware of. But obviously I'm going to let him have fun. That's the most yeah. thing. If I'm, I would never be a dad where I'm just drilling him. But, yeah, if he, if he wants to play football, I'm going to teach him everything I know. I'm going to – give him everything I know or in any other sport I'm going to make sure he's equipped and make sure that I can provide an unlimited amount of resources at least the most that I can yeah that's awesome all right I'm going to ask you one more question because I just I got a note here this is this is kind of diving back into one more thing but okay you're the man at Missouri Western okay then you get you get in, in throws which to the average hometown person they don't care if you're practice squad, what you're on. You're in the pros, right? You're a big deal. I, I think this is a cool topic to bring up. Um, you know, were people coming out of the woodworks being your friend? I mean, was it in hindsight? Do you notice that? Did you notice it then? Like, um, speak to that briefly. Yeah, and, you know, uh, a lot of people came up to me or still come up to me, and it's like they – I don't know if they – what their goal is to get out of you, but obviously – they know your name or that you've done something. Some people are authentic. Some people want stuff from you. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I just want those people to know, you know, that I'm a regular-ass dude. Yeah. And then um, you're going to have to cut it because I forgot the question. <laughs> no, I'm not cutting shit. You're good. I was just saying, no, it was kind of open-ended, though. That's the thing. It was just kind of like, you know, just, I mean, people are coming out of the – were people coming out of the woodworks back then, though, in hindsight? Before? Like back whenever you were going, when you got to the league and then you're coming home, are people like, oh, that's my kill, man. Oh, and, and, yeah. 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 And it's kind of crazy. I guess tying back to what I just said, it's just 
instead of doing that, learn who they are as a person, learn the character. But I mean, if it's a kid or someone who really cherishes football, like that's awesome. Yeah, you know, that's like, super cool. Inspiring. But it was also cool, you know, on another side that people support you because you just don't know who it really is and who wants to see you fail. So yeah. it's a double-edged sword. But when you do get the people that really cherished and followed you, I have still people to come up today. They don't come up to me or they'll, they'll message me and say, or if I run across them, they don't make it a point, you know, to, to try to earn my trust or something, you know, but they'll mention, yeah, I followed you. I loved when you did this. That's um, cool. Uh, you know, I supported you in your career, and that's what I'm thankful for. Yeah, very cool. That was kind of a selfish question. I was just curious. So, anyways, guys, that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Mike, dude, thanks for your time. Oh, yeah, I'm man. I'm super proud of your success, both during the football career, post-football career. You're a stand-up dude. You, you're a hell of a family man. You're a high-integrity high um, just a good dude all around. So I'm proud to call you a friend. And well, thanks I appreciate for that, on. man. Thanks yeah. for having me, man. Absolutely, it's man. pretty cool. Cool. Thank you guys for listening. Please share it. Until next time. <laughs>